Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello and welcome to the BloodandMud.com podcast. I am Lee Calvert from BloodandMud.com. And I'm Josh Gardner from RugbyShitWatch.com. Once again, we are here. We apologise for missing out on a last week but um, unfortunately we do have actual real jobs which demand that we do things um, allegedly allegedly yes. which yeah. got in the way um, <laughs> this is the bloodandmud.com podcast a sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge it is available on soundcloud you may have found it that's where you be now it's also available on itunes if that suits you better or you can put the feed into your itunes player please rate us and all that kind of stuff this week we'll do a review of the European Cup we'll do some more shit good pickings in from the weekend we'll talk about Eddie Jones and his night of the long knives as it were <laughs> Corby Sierra taking a year off which is weird we're going to talk about National mm. Dual Contracts which will keep Josh yeah. busy for a while we'll have oh, your yes. dirty get and then something else in the loop so a lot to get through Josh let's make a start with uh, the European Cup the big cup is yeah. back it was a what a weird year this is proving for European rugby. It's just I I don't know what to make of it anymore. It's nothing makes sense. No, it doesn't. It what? was it was it was a kind of binary weekend in many ways. I thought it really there was, wasn't there it? There was some stuff that was really 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 good, and then there was other yeah. stuff that was completely forgettable. Yeah, I mean, starting with I guess the 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 big the pool of death the wasp bath Toulon and Leinster one like. 
that that whole pool is is fucking stupid, isn't it? Well, if you it's that if you'd asked somebody a month ago, it's that yeah. test, isn't it? It would fail it miserably. Massively so. It's like wasps, 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 wasps. It, it was fucking there. They just had to do something not particularly stupid, and then, boom, two men in the bin, uncontested scrums, nightmare, and it all goes horribly wrong. You'd be absolutely fuming as a fan, wouldn't you? Oh god! Like I mean, hats off to to George Ford as well. Like his his goal kicking has been, to put it politely, a bit fucking iffy in his career. But like to convert that that try in the way that he did nervelessly was was a massive moment for him. But and yeah, I think it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of good for him that he managed to drag the. I know Wasp should have won, but the fact that he's not playing very well and he still no. managed to kind of drag them some bath. Somewhere to well, they won, but he managed. He managed to keep them in the game just about enough, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Although, what's I mean to be? <laughs> did you see Dai Young interviewed after the game? He was absolutely <laughs> fuming, and well, not so much with the ref. Actually, you think it would be with the ref? It wasn't with the ref. I think he was absolutely fuming with the people in his charge. I, I think he, he knew it perfectly well how badly they'd fucked that up, just purely through their own silliness. And yeah, it wasn't the ref's fault at all. But it blows the pool wide open now. Like yeah. wasps, after looking like they were dead certs, they're they're two points ahead of Bath and four ahead of Toulon, and and they've got a, a game more played than both of them. And so Toulon are like, just going to keep winning, aren't they? So that's what that was. Wasps twenty three, Bath twenty five. Obviously, if any of you lived yeah. under a rock and haven't seen it, but it was a, it was it was, it was an exciting game. Yeah, and there were some moments in it. But there was still a lot of shit in it. I thought, yeah. <laughs> even even well, again, it was just like occasional brilliance combined with fairly consistent dreck. mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, this kind of theme that I'm, I'm developing a theme, Josh. The, it's, the it's theme of the, the, the binary the weekend. weekend that there was some amazing yeah. stuff going on, and then some I, of it was I, was really. If, if that was a good game, though, then then Toulon and Leinster was was not a good game at all. Let's. It was either going to be it was going to be a bad game in two, one of two ways. One that Toulon were just going to run away with it and absolutely hammer them because they're not doing yeah. very well and Toulon got some mojo back. Or it was going to be actually the second version, which is what we saw, which was well, just it's, like it's, a load of people fumbling with their trouser pocket when pissed in the toilets. Basically, it was. It's so heartening and quite satisfying to see a team who are as expensively assembled as Toulon play like a. Valley's Comprehensive School second fifteen after a rough Christmas party <laughs> night out, isn't it? It's like they were they were it was like, it was like, like a tour match. <laughs> it was, and all that talent, man for man, one for twenty two, like m- m- more talent than any other team in the world, and they were just fundamentally bad at rugby. Set piece, nah. Tactics, nah. Ball carrying, nah. Like if they were playing a team that had had any confidence at all, they'd have lost. But they were they were playing Leinster, so and Leinster. I mean, God. I mean, so talk about Fucking being a, a fan. Imagine being a Leinster fan. There's really well, Leinster, nothing much to look forward to for the next no. two years, really, is there? By the looks of things, I mean, I could be wrong. Things could turn around, but 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 Leinster now are to what Leinster used to be. What like a pub covers band are to Led Zeppelin, aren't they? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, they so they they sort of it's vaguely reminiscent, but yeah, they've not got any of the yeah the gear. So you've got all the gear down. You've got yeah. you've got the church right and the look right, but you're just not quite <laughs> delivering, you know. No, isn't nobody the there spiritual moments that we that we need. Yeah, like they're old, they're badly coached, and 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 similar to to Munster, really. Like there seems like there's a dearth of quality and leadership in that squad, which has got to be very alarming. It has, but I suppose it's the I mean, you know, Ireland went through. Well, I thought, what what version of, of the transitional period are Ireland in now? 
I think it was version five point seven the last time I looked. Something like it's that. Yeah. Still, still going on. And I think that Leinster. The worrying thing is that that was while Leinster were quite strong. Yeah. And now Leinster are going through their own transitional period. You know, version one, and and it's it's not well. It's looking like it's going to be a a hard thing to download. Yeah. Well, it's 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 Connor's time now, surely. Well, it should be <laughs> with Big Bundy yeah. playing. Well, exactly. So Toulon beat Leinster, which was was fairly yeah. fairly predictable, but awful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of working up the list here, but let's 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 do let's <laughs> keep doing that way. Oyanax uh, were the latest people to have the audacity to stand in the way <laughs> of the great um, the great Dementors from Hendon who and got smashed out of the way. They 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 just keep smashing teams with like a brutality and efficiency of an industrial wood chipper, don't they? It's like they're not bad to watch, though, are they? No, they. they I think the thing is, a lot of people think there is this kind. It is like you know the Galactic Empire, but there is. But they are they play well, don't they? It's not bad rugby to watch by any means. They play decent attacking rugby, but they're they're arguably the form team in Europe right now. Yes, and you know they they. You can't really begrudge them it either because they're doing it in every way that you would want a team to do it. They're they're playing well in practically every area, which is and even when they empty the bench, rare. it doesn't make it any worse or any no. better. It just it's just this this relentless sort of efficient form. I keep coming back to the word efficient, but you just they can't like the do ball, anything else, can they? You? It's just yeah, it's just. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it, and it's, I mean the the only the only thing that could possibly derail their season now is. It's like during the Six Nations when presumably most of their first fifteen is going to get called into the England squad. That's and true. I mean, then they've got depth. But other than that, they they just look like they're going to smash. But you look at the non-England play play. Well, Barrett won't be getting called up by England again. Please God, that's please true. God, that's tell true. me he won't be. I don't think he will be. So he'll be <laughs> staying. And a lot of that's the thing. A lot of people talk about their you know attitude towards the salary cap being flexible, shall we say? But when mm. you actually look at the teams that they put out. It's not all these mega. It's not a Toulon that's doing all no. the dis- destruction, is it? You know, it is. It's a young no, scrum half. It's 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 a it's a fullback from an academy. It's not. You know, you're not talking. They've got a very good stuff. development pathway, haven't they? And they're using it extremely well. And you've got to give them credit for that. Well, it's easy to have a development pathway when you're basically run by an evil professor in a lab who's just creating well, hateful yeah. players <laughs> who, are, who are good at what they do to go out. I suppose that makes it slightly simpler when you can do it by genetic design. Yeah. But yeah. If we're talking about smashings in that pool, I guess, <laughs> then it's hard not to talk about Ulster versus Toulouse, which I just... I don't understand either of these teams. It's just... It no. doesn't make any sense. I understand Toulouse because they're basically a bit shit. Well, yeah, but they, they're going well in the top 14 this year. Yeah, but they don't and look yet... particularly convincing. But, but having said that, no, nobody expects what happened on Friday. That was no. absolute madness. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's two games now where they've basically not turned up. Their discipline's atrocious. Their fundamentals are non-existent. They look like they do, They look like people who've just not just not played rugby before. They look like a people who've only just recently discovered what their limbs do. <laughs> the last time they played so very very badly, everyone said, "Oh, it's the hangover from you know it was the yeah. it was the weekend. It was the day after, wasn't it? The the terrible yeah. attacks in in Paris." He thought, "Well, even then, I had little sympathy with that view. To be honest, I mean, they could they could have put up better than they did in that game, but." This one on Friday, there's no such excuse unless somebody's no, reminded yeah. them of it just before they walked out. Oh, you know, remember God, Paris guys? Oh, for fuck's sake, my head's gone again now. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think I don't that was know. the case. They just looked lost, didn't they? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And and Ulster were brilliant, and they were 
really they absolutely smashed them and yet a few weeks ago against Saracens they looked like a bunch of drunks that had won a competition to play rugby yeah it's, it's yeah, and it's hard to actually go. Oh well, they've turned. A I mean, the thing with Bath, I will say, to go back to Bath, I said mm. in the preview, I said I thought Bath would would get better this week because they're mm. too good not to. But I didn't think they'd win, but they did just about an all power to them. Yeah. There is a kind of logical sense to Bath getting better. There's absolutely no logic at all to these None. to some of these games. <clears throat> the, to, to the Ulster the, game, no logic. No, that's the thing that completely cooks. My, and, and there have been a few games this week that have completely cooked my head because they don't make a great deal of logical sense but what makes yeah. me laugh about the games as well is that you know when, because it's the sky bt sport problem isn't it whenever there's stuff on there the hyperbole is you know the, you can't yes, say well some of them are going to be crap and some of them are going to be pretty good but to no, tune in anyway it is everything the hyperbole is <laughs> the hyperbole is like nothing you'll hear since the last england marketing campaign yeah and no, you won't hear it again exactly. till the next England marketing no. campaign, but it does. It's it's never ending. We're like, look at this! It's brilliant. The Giants take yeah. on the huge people. It's going to be the greatest <laughs> game ever. Yeah, and and let's face it, there are some games in the champion, even the Champions Cup, which are not Giants taking on Giants. They are no, they're not a good team taking on a shit team. Yes, or occasionally a shit team against another shit team. Which brings and... us on to Benison <laughs> <laughs> Treviso versus Stade Francais, which was uh, another yes. hiding, which I didn't really predict. I thought, again, I thought this would just be people acting like they've got, you know, trying to catch the ball with their elbows for yeah for, for, for 80 minutes. But actually it was, well, it wasn't. Treviso turned up last half hour, didn't they? Well, yeah, but that was because they were already 50 points down by that point yeah, and Stade, Stade France, basically yeah. just didn't care. Yeah, they, were, they, they, they put pastis in the water bottles by then, hadn't they? It was all over. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw Parise smoking a Galois on the side, but, you know, it's... <laughs> it's the, yeah, I mean, the, the best thing again about Chorizo this week was probably their lovely European shirts because a bonus point in 23 minutes is shocking. I don't care who you are. <laughs> yes. and some of or who you're playing, yeah. Yeah. Some of the tack, particularly for their seventh try, which I mean, for God's sake, their seventh try for starters. But like some of the tackling in that move was absolutely atrocious. Did you see it? It was just like basically let's I let saw the flashes run of it. I saw, I saw the highlights of the games, but it was yeah a joke. Yeah, but I mean, all power to Zavizo, they managed to get four thousand six hundred people turning up. Yeah, and yet they've which, got you know, no business being in the Champions Cup. Let's be honest. Well, it's, it's, it's the it's the endless. Italy rugby problem isn't it you can't yeah. just cut them loose but no. to say that they've plateaued is an understatement well they absolutely have and and while they will occasionally get results in the Pro 12 now like when it comes to the Champions Cup the Italian teams have got no business being involved aside from being a whipping boy for someone and, and you talk about that transitional period like we did with Ireland yeah. they had enough of a problem with a very well established playing base professionally all that kind of stuff yeah. When you look at Italy, their old guard shifting off out the pack. Who's 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 coming in? It's it frightening. Really. Well, look at look at what happened when Parise was injured at the start of the World Cup. They were absolutely shambolic, and they got significantly better when he was there. But you know he's getting on a bit now, man. They they need to, and the players that they I thought would come through, players like Campagnaro, for example, who's now at Exeter. I thought he was going to be an absolutely. Mm. Still time for World class talent. Uh, There's still time, but he's properly gone off the boil. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So that 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 was them. Let's let's have a talk. About, uh, well, let's carry on with the thrashing, shall we? Racing ninety two versus Northampton. God, I definitely I mean, didn't see that one coming. 
No, uh, uh, clearly the the ladies' choice halfback pairing is working pretty well, isn't it? It is. I mean, the Mike Phillips, yes, Dan, and Dan Carter, Carter axis is Carter, goddamn I mean, handsome. Carter, Carter looks even more dangerous now. He doesn't care anymore. <laughs> no, you know, for ages he was thinking, well, "I've got to play well." I've got All Blacks World Cup. I've not played well. You know, he must have been quite stressed. Now he's just thinking, yeah. "Oh fuck this! Who cares anymore?" And now yeah, it's even just... more terrifying. Well, it's like, that's the thing. He hasn't really. He's done nothing for the last six weeks except get pats on the back from presumably everyone in New Zealand that he bumped into and being bought beers as well. And then he turns up last week and then walks into a game against a team of, let's be honest, the calibre of Saints, who are still a decent team, with very little familiarity with his teammates, shows up and like absolutely runs the show. Yeah. Like, and Saints, if any, it, Saints aren't playing well, but the set piece has gone quite well this year. So you'd expect yeah. they wouldn't have a major problem going over there. I wouldn't expect them to win. I wouldn't expect them to win, but it would be not a massive yeah. problem over there. You know, everyone who's thought that the Carter was coming over for a late career payday, um, you know, you're starting to look at it and think he could have a sort of Johnny Wilkinson at Toulon-esque impact on Racing's fortunes if he can keep that up. I think he's spurred on by trying to out-sexy Mike Phillips, though. Well, I mean, you know, is, when you've got that in the room with you every day, it's bound exactly, to I mean, make you improve in some way or another, isn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, you've you've got a lot to compete with there. I did love actually, Spikey's um, when somebody asked him after the game about the fact that Carter's knee was heavily strapped up. Uh, Phillips's response was that his wallet was weighing him down on one side, which <laughs> I fucking love. Mike Phillips. Did like, you see that BBC document, BBC Wales document? I haven't watched those, it. No, those I can't of you bring who are in the BBC it. Wales area of our seven listeners out there, there was a BBC <laughs> Wales special on the real Mike Phillips last week. You'll probably still get it on the iPlayer in whatever region, and it and mm. it was a, a profile of Mike. How he's not just you know an enormously sexy outside McDonald's fighter. He's a he lover and a charity though. man as well. He's like a perfect yeah. package of glorious Adonis-like <laughs> wonder. Um, but, you know, when you watch it, I was kind of... I live in Wales, and I was kind of... BBC Wales... I'm digressing here, but I'm going to do it anyway. BBC Wales are brilliant at making these programmes just simply because the people are Welsh. Yes. You know, actually, it doesn't really matter if they're worthy of anything. Somebody just goes into the, <laughs> to the commissioning room in, in BBC Wales, Glendaff, and says, I want to make a programme about this pig, right? And... He wanders around in a pigsty all day, uh, and and that's it. And people go, well, what's the relevance of that then? Well, well, he's Welsh. It's a Welsh pig. Oh yeah. well, yeah. How much money do you need? You can have an hour special on Monday at nine o'clock. So that's basically how, not that I'm saying Mike Phillips is a pig, but I'm just saying that no. you don't have to do something particularly remarkable to get an hour long special on BBC Wales. You really don't. And yet I have I haven't watched it because I I can't quite bring myself to. But given that he's knocked it on the head this week, I've got to say Mike Phillips. Oh, he's brilliant! He's a Wales, he's a Wales legend. Now. I think he's a legend. And anyway, I actually love him. He's absolutely brilliant. And, it, yeah. and if and if, well, and if rugby loses, well, they are losing people like him. Actually, um, what's it for? You know, exactly. what, what's the game it's about? Like, really, we're losing it's like, little bits of it all the time, and people like him going makes it even worse. Exactly, he's a colossal prick, but <laughs> he was our, he was our prick, and when he's on your side, you absolutely loved him for it. And I, yeah, I love my Phillips anyway. Yeah. So there you go. Shane Williams said in the documentary, you know, I absolutely despised him. <laughs> I was playing against <laughs> well, exactly. Him. That's the thing. But yeah. Yeah, so we did. We done racing. Well, we, we sort of did racing in Northampton there. But anyway, Northampton were terrible and Rassi were brilliant, uh, mainly because well, of you Dan can't Carter. Give away 20, you can't give away 20 turnovers in a game and expect to win, can you? No, like, not really. Not when Dan God. Carter's running the counter attack, you can't. No. Well, no, exactly. Anyway. 
Okay, uh, another hiding then. Ooh, Glasgow, mm. Glasgow Warriors beat Scarlets, didn't they? <laughs> I actually, I did some predictions before the weekend, as 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 mm. I want to do on the blog, and I think yeah. I did pretty well this week, apart from this. I thought the Scarlets might just sneak it. I'm, I've they, might, they just about sneaked six points, is what they sneaked. They versus were forty-three sl- for Glasgow. Glasgow were very efficient, but holy shit, the Scarlets turned up at Scottsdale like they'd come directly from a whiskey tasting. It was awful. Like they were, they're getting worse every week, quite markedly. And injuries is a big part of it. Any team that doesn't have Scott Williams, Liam Williams, and and now. Um, John Davis. Uh, John Davis. Uh, yeah. Is he fit, John Davis? I James Davis. Uh, James Davis is yeah, going to be out for a couple of couple of months. Um. But yeah, like, and they lost. They didn't have John Barkley on the weekend either. But God, like, that doesn't make an excuse for some of the defending. It was absolutely. Like, I, I mean, there's the, there's never any excuse to lose for to buy, to lose by that major Glasgow. No. Ever. No. But like that, the big lads. Uh, I can't even say his name properly. The winger. Naya Ravoro, yes, <laughs> that guy. Um, he's a big lad. Don't get me wrong, he's a big lad. But they were making him look like fucking Joan Lomu out there, like just bouncing off fairly like obvious first up tackles, and they just feel like they're going through the motions. They know they're not going to get out of the pool now because they've lost three games on the bounce, and it just feels like they can't really be bothered. And there's a bit of a mentality issue there, I think. And even bringing on the magnificent Tangerine Overlord in the latter stages didn't didn't stem the tide. Well, no, I mean, he can't tackle everyone, can he? He can't, can he? What can he, you know? There's only so much he can do. He's already running yeah. Wales. What's he supposed to do? <laughs> Let's talk about your team in Pool Two, shall uh, we? <laughs> Os- I, Ospreys versus Bordeaux Begler. Before we talk about the game, yeah, how do you feel about Bordeaux Begler's shirt? Um, I quite the like white it. one. Yeah. Yeah, I like it because it's got rugby league overtones. The old yeah, V, got very, the old front V, the, the, the weird little subtle V. Yeah, they've got they've got three very nice shirts actually. Capacy Italian, they know what they're doing. And what before again? While we're on shirts, I'm going to keep going. Sorry. While we're on shirts, why? You know me, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist with these things. I've argued mm-hmm. about these things before. The new um, soup, the New Zealand shirts, the super, yes. New super oh, and oh, all the Adidas shirts in Europe as well. Why have they yes. decided to move how the stripes are? Why are they going around the back of the collar, or or kind of front, or the or turn through ninety degrees on the shoulder? I don't they, like it. They just, they just, they've got to fucking mess around with it somehow, haven't they? If you have you noticed on the football shirts, the new football shirts, they're now going from the like hem of the shirt up into the armpit instead of over the shoulders. Well, the Adidas well. ones, are they? Yes, oh. yeah. So that'll be in rugby in a year or two's time. I, I, I didn't like the over the shoulder stripes at first. I think they can look quite nice, but yeah, they just they it's better than the weird the ones that went around the back looked like a weird sort of shrug. Because <laughs> yeah, <they> <laughs> somebody still got yeah. them. I saw them at the weekend. I can't remember. Anyway, we digress. Let's talk yes. about Ospreys. Good win. <sighs> yeah, I, I kind of just want to. Rather than talk about this game, I just kind of want to scream into a pillow for about an hour to <laughs> accurately reflect my feelings. Like, I know last the last pod I went on about how bad the Ospreys were in attack, but like, thirty-five minutes against fourteen men, and they score seven points, and all of them were scored directly after the red card, and then they were just pointless for the entire rest of the game. They they were they barely had the ball somehow. They they could. They just oh god, they're so depressing. Are they relying There's too no... much on Dan Bigger, do you think? Oh massively so. They they don't have anybody else. Like 
with new <laughs> that'll do it season, then won't it yeah, <laughs> yeah last Last season, they relied on Reese Webb and Dan Bigger, and Dan Bigger provided the control, and Reese Webb provided the like spark of creativity. No Webb this season has meant that it's purely just Dan Bigger attempting to control things and attempting to kick the leather off the ball, which he's incredibly good at, yeah. and I would not swap him. But there's nothing, you know. Josh Madavese is a decent centre, but he needs somebody creative outside him, and he's got Jonathan Spratt. But even with and, the, um, even with all that. They do keep getting half decent results, don't you? Well, it, it was a good. I mean, I would have taken a, a a narrow win before the start of the game, but like they sent their second team over there and they were playing with a man down for most of the second half, and we just there was nothing there. There was, and you got to feel like if they got a bonus point at home there, they could quite comfortably have been saying, yeah, we're going to go through as a best runner-up, no matter how the last couple of games go, really. If they could get a result out in Bordeaux or out at Exeter, then they'd be laughing. But now it's it's they're back up against it again. But um, speaking of that red court, card, that was an absolute blinder, wasn't it? An absolute oh, blinder. It just you could just I just I was watching it and as soon as as soon as it happened I tweeted immediately I said I said Dan Biggers properly yes. just got windpiped about ten yes. minutes after the ball went and not only did he get windpiped ten minutes after the ball went he wasn't even on the field the bloke no, actually he ran off play. the field to windpipe him and then had the audacity to stand there giving it the full arms out what you sending me off really ref face no, it, it was the stupid he was like and Bigger was in touch he was in yeah, touch and he and kicked he the ball still, away sometime last he Tuesday him. it was just spectacularly stupid he almost stupid. ran in windmilling it yeah. as he came in like full straight arm job <laughs> It was spectacularly silly, but yeah, good. I mean, good win for the Ospreys keeps them in the hunt. Like, I would have taken two wins from three at the halfway point quite comfortably, especially with all the bonus points. Yeah, because I mean, as well, one of so. them was effectively a draw, wasn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So Monster, you know, took their slightly rusty, mediocre-looking Sharabank back to foam and 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 lost to Leicester in in a very. Well, convincing way the loss really yeah. it didn't look like there was anything I mean, else on the cars did it yeah first of all credit to, to Leicester because they played such a good game they were so clinical and physical and they they just they completely played Munster and Munster played perfectly into their hands they made very few errors and it was a massive statement performance but fucking hell Munster what, where has that gone wrong yeah. man Connor Murray looks completely lost yeah. When you watch him play, he um, doesn't seem to know what to do. Now that comes back to your point from earlier, the point we made on previous pods as well about how the lack of leadership in Ireland really. I mean, he's one of the people who is yeah. going to lead, isn't he? And he didn't look on Friday, uh, whatever day it was, uh, Sunday, Saturday was it? Can't remember. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Did he did not look like anybody could lead anybody anywhere unless yeah. it was down a well or something? You just think that, like, you look at the three tries that they conceded, and there was some sort of moronic fuckery involved in all of them just through stupidity or just lack of phys- physicality or whatever mm. and every single one of those Paul O'Connell would have got his fucking hurling stick out on training on Monday and we'd be beating as, people to death as right would now. as would Anthony Foley and speaking of it yes, did you see exactly. him after the game oh, he, God, he was you wouldn't fancy being in that dressing room would you no but it's, it's a case of is that working you know if he is giving them an absolute tongue lashing then why are they not responding because they're not very good because 
Yeah, and they just—it's just, it's just the, so weirdly unmonster. Like bad defending, stupid mistakes, and a lack of physicality. Oh, I never thought that I'd see that from a monster team. Either that. I mean, I've always questioned the value of a tongue lash in any way. I think it's—it's—it's mm, it's, yeah. it's useful in very specific times. That whole passion, I always think, is the kind of last refuge of the shit house. You know, it's that kind yeah. of thing. Well, I'm—we're crap, but at least we're passionate. You know. Yeah. It's a place for it. Don't get me wrong. But people do tend to overplay, I think, and maybe Foley yeah. is too much one of the. I don't know the guy that much. I'm not, I don't know much about his coaching style. But is he one of these guys who just shouts a bit too much, and doesn't actually say, "Look, this is where it's going wrong. Do yeah. this." I don't know. No, that's that's very true. But and either then, way, it wouldn't happen in a Collins day. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Top of the shot, then last one. Exeter Chiefs and their ridiculous dismantling of of, of, of Claremont. What's happened here? Like, I genuinely like Claremont are so weird this season. It's like they they score two tries in ten minutes at the start of the game, and you think, "All oh, right, this is going to be an absolute pasting." And then somehow they let Exeter and Thomas fucking Waldrum score thirty unanswered points. Like, yeah, how does I know French teams on the road can be flaky, but that was stunning. I expected Exeter to win, mainly through Gareth Steenson, because I think that Claremont just keep giving away far too many penalties, even in games mm. that they're actually winning. But, I mean, that when you think about this game, prior to this game, they played each other twice, these teams, and on aggregate, Claremont yeah. had won it 92-15. Exactly. You know, so and, and history meant that this was going to be an absolute walkover, but it just shows... I think how far Exeter have come under Rob Baxter since because that was 2012 when they played each other last that's three years since they last played each other and look where Exeter are and Claremont you know let's not be honest I mean let's be honest they're doing alright but there's something spluttering about it yeah they they seem to be a team that that for me they're capable of switching it on and being unplayable when they want to it's the too long problem isn't it you look at it you look at it name by name and you think oh well whoever's playing this lot are in deep shit and then actually that's not how it's panning out. Is it a case that they've just got too many t- players and they're just. They chop and change so much, there's no time for any fluidity to really develop? It could be that, and the World Cup and everyone coming back quite late, I suppose, yeah. has, kind of, has, has kind of exacerbated that problem. It, it, could, it could be that. It could just be. They've just had a group of people who are just having a poor dip in form. It's sometimes as simple yeah. as that, isn't it? And, and when you're used to. Have they ever had to dig in? No, exactly. They're used to just smashing people, especially, you know, basically everybody but but maybe Stard and like Saracens and Toulon, mm. like Claremont are used to pretty much walking over everybody and all of a sudden they're not finding it quite as easy. But I mean, credit to Exeter, they were very, very good. And Thomas Waldron, I mean, a man who bravely stands up for the notion that being a professional rugby player and a massive yeah. fatty are not mutually exclusive yeah. concepts. Yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't like, be hindered by a professional athlete status to stop eating no. massive trays of pies and things like well, that. Exactly. I mean, good, it's a good job that all those scores, he only had to travel about six inches in total. <laughs> I'm not sure he's got the athleticism for much more. But, he's, I mean, he's a classic example of using stats as a bad idea. Yes. Because people always talk about his scoring record and stuff, and it's like, no, that's completely and utterly pointless. It's the same as the count the medals argument, isn't it? Well, if you played a decent yeah. team, you're going to get medals, aren't you? Doesn't exactly. mean you're any good. No, and and being at the back of a ruck that's six inches away yeah, from the when you just have to le- lean on it and walk and well, then fall yes, over, especially when you've got a not inconsiderable bulk behind you. Yeah, as anybody well. who saw me or played with me, hello, if you're out there, will know <laughs> I was not a very good player. But I think even I could pull that off. <laughs> so that was the rundown of the weekend. Some Indeed. great stuff, some not so great stuff. We'll talk mm. about the return fixtures at the end. 
let's move on then to some uh, shit good nominations from the from the games of the weekend then Josh indeed you had uh, the, um, the doobie red card yes I mean, I mean we sort of talked about this earlier but like you've already managed to get Dan Bigger to make what have been the worst clearing kick in his professional career like just let him take it into touch and be done with it mate but no like he just this there's it was the most stupid ill-advised bit of blood to the head naughtiness that I've seen I, in quite some time. I can't remember who was on who was on commentary, but one of them actually did try to defend it for about half a second. They did actually sort of go, <laughs> "Oh well, it's in slow motion." I think maybe he was committed, and then like when you watch yeah, it in real motion, see... it still looks like it's in slow motion because he wound it exactly. up for so long. I loved the fact that the ref was like, I want to see it at full speed, as if somehow that would make it better. It's like, no, everything looks worse in slow motion, yes, but in this case, no, he was just punching him in the throat. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to have a ref sort of go, I want to see it at full speed. That's an absolute blinder, that. Yeah, he's going off, yeah. You know, just, I'd love to do it like, like fan commentary by a ref, you know. But then you think, you know, they lost that game by three points. And yeah, that could have been a very very big result for Bordeaux because the Ospreys were not looking good and, when, and they yeah and when you watched him the funny thing about watching slow motion as well was that he actually did half pull out he did and, and then you watch sort it again, of his recommit- arm kind of goes out he thinks oh fuck it I'm just gonna- yeah he recommits to the clothesline which <laughs> yeah, is I'm just going to and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> but yes he looked pretty few but that was yeah it was absolute idiocy Given that you can just get sent off for fairly innocuous stuff these days. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the yellow cards in the Leinster too long game were kind of like, Christ, is that what it's come to now? But that was, yeah. And you get those great so, comments as well, that you know, although you wouldn't have been sent off for that in the 80s. It was like, no, <laughs> you can send children down coal mines in the 1880s as well. Doesn't mean, exactly. it doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, the Scarlet's tackling was in the shit column, I think. Absolutely, you've oh, already mentioned God. this, but it was it's absolutely appalling, wasn't it? Wretched. So why are you not even trying? That's the thing that pissed me off about it. It was so half-assed. Like, like that's going to be ugly in the video room this week, isn't it? Especially for the Nairavora's first try. Like, they were just flay. They were, they were a combination of both flailing and being bounced off, which is quite impressive. But the thing is, yeah. in the video room, how do you even analyse something like that? Because I mean, <laughs> I you know, you, put... you don't need telling, do you? You just put it on mm. just to shame them even more. Yeah, right, boys. What went wrong here? Fucking everything. Next. Yeah, I want you in. I want you in the video room wearing a dress so you can watch this, so I can humiliate you even more for just how, how bad yeah. it was. It was absolutely ridiculous. Matt Stevens's beard. Look, now, Matt firstly, Stevens, full stop. Right before we go on to that, yeah. Matt Stevens looks terrible. Form-wise. Yes, but what? What? Firstly, what is he doing in Toulon? <laughs> how would I? How would I miss? Like, did he get shipwrecked and like <laughs> drifted on a raft in the middle of the Atlantic for months, and then wash up on the shores of the Mediterranean, where Murad Bujalal took pity on him and let him come play for him? Because that that would be the only explanation for a why he's there and why he's got that. He could have been on a smuggling beard. boat. Yes, allegedly. That, that, well, <laughs> I mean, but like. I don't grow beards anymore because when I grow a beard, it's almost entirely gingy and ginger, and I look fucking stupid. But it is basically. Matt Stevens has clearly not had this memo. It's a massive ginger beard. It looks like one of those ones. Do you know those 
tartan hat and beard combos you can yes, buy for Scotland standard. It? it looks like he's cut the hat off that <laughs> and just stuck the beard to his face. Mainly probably I because mean, maybe he still thinks they're after him for the for the for the jazz powder incidents and he's trying to hide in the south of France. Well like I all mean, criminals do. I don't know. <laughs> I mean there's been some suggestion that it might be one of those December charity things. He's never grown that in December. I'm, Have you seen the exactly. rest of it? <laughs> it's it's two it's two weeks into it's the like month. Be a genetically modified that, beard if it was a if he's grown that in two weeks, he needs to be tested for unauthorised use of gorilla DNA. But, but yeah, it is absolutely spectacular. It's isn't dreadful. It? Yeah, I mean, it's spectacularly awful. You don't see those Scotland tartan hat and beard things anymore. There was they something. So there was something in they the eighties, were, weren't they? I wish. I wish that the daffodil hat would go the way of the <laughs> tartan hat and beard. See, I but, think because they're really borderline racist, aren't they? I think they've gone the way of like the fake bit. afro and blacking up. You know, they're not they're yeah. not seeing as something you can do anymore. <laughs> you can't wear blackface but, and you can't wear the tartan and beard and combo. But then, but then the rugby loves a bit of casual cultural appropriation and racism. We all watched the Exeter game on Saturday. You know, how are they getting away with that? Oh, I mean, how are they getting can away we, with it? What, can, what, while we're here, can we have another Go. extra entry into shit, which is that? <laughs> which I mean, is that fucking permanently. Hell. It's, it's basically it, a set it, agenda item every week. All, all of their all of their considerable achievements are utterly ruined once again by the awful cultural appropriation that's everywhere you look with when it comes to Exeter Chiefs. They're a great club. They're an honest club, but I just can't abide it. Like. The Native American dude on the cup shirt, and to yeah. that, oh, the 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 war but what I don't thing understand they do. Either is, that is so racist. What I don't understand God. weirdly, they could call themselves extra chiefs. They're from the south coast of England. Exactly. They could all wear woad yes. and have a Saxon gear on, or whatever, whatever totally. the time. I'm not a story, but whatever the no. British equivalent or English equivalent or Celtic yeah. equivalent of that, they could do and call themselves chiefs and a warlord and, or something, and it'd be bloody great. Instead, yeah, and, and, they're doing and you that. look at the chiefs in 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 New Zealand. They well, yeah, they call themselves it's their the chiefs, own and they, culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they use every bit of that culture, and it's really cool. And you just you look over at like this thing that's going on in the states at the moment with the Washington Redskins name, yes. and all of that sort of and thing. The Cleveland Indians—they've had to hide and yes, Chief P, exactly. whatever he's called in that yeah. cartoon character. You just hope that no Americans ever turn on the rugby because they will be absolutely mortified to see what some little rugby club in Exeter is doing with Native American heritage. Well, you in see, terms rugby, of there is the establishment game, though, you see. It wasn't that long ago that the establishment were, you know, shooting people with head. ACAST recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Dresses and nick in their country, so this is just, it's a a slow build. It's like votes for women in Saudi Arabia, you've got to take it in small (laughs) steps. Yeah. I might be overstating can we, that slightly, possibly. Can we, can we just get rid of the horrible racist war chant and work from <laughs> yeah, there, that's please? It. it doesn't seem like much to ask, does it, really? <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. So that was the shit. 
So yes. mo- moving on to the good stuff from the weekend, Elliot Daly, once again. Uh, he looks. God, I wish he was Welsh, which is the highest compliment didn't, I could probably Didn't make Stuart Lancaster's honest. first fifty for the World Cup. <laughs> Elliot Daly. I mean, forget that Burgess, you know, forget that. He didn't make, you know, just that on its own. Didn't make. He it's... wasn't one of the best fifty players last summer. Yeah, I mean, he's been brilliant every game this season, and he was again on Sunday. His passing is so good. He's such an intelligent player. His angles, because I mean, Joseph, speed. as good as Joseph is, he tends to he trusts his own kind of feet and ability to get away. Whereas, yes. whereas Daly just has that intelligence on the angle, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's so simple he's... when it's done. Why don't more people do it? It's like alignment. Why is alignment so shit all the time? <laughs> in every professional it's, game you watch, you, I find myself shouting all the time. Look at the fucking state of that alignment. It's always terrible. But maybe that's just me. It's yeah, it's baffling. It's, it's worryingly, depressingly simple how that he yeah. makes the game. Look. You just cut but against the so defensive effective. line as it comes across, and look what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's he's absolutely making hay with it, and, and if fair he's play not, for him. Starting for England in the sixties. It seems like Jones's kind of player as well. Run. Jones is all yeah, about definitely. the angles and the timing. Absolutely. And, it, and in a way, if Jones does actually have a plan, I'm going to come on to on that later. Later, <laughs> I'll leave that for now. Charles Pietau's yeah. feet are in good for me. Oh god! Never mind his whole game, just his feet. Yeah. Incredible. That late like, change of direction he does when you think you've got him is absolutely unbelievable. I I, I continue to be amazed that he was allowed to leave New Zealand because. He is like if he is not good enough for the All Blacks, I don't know what is and won't be good and isn't considered part of the All Blacks plans for the next four years. I don't know what the hell he doesn't look wrong over there. Milner Scudder doesn't look much better than him, does he? No, Milner exactly. Scudder doesn't look much better than him to me. You know, I mean, no. But is, is it just because they're just diff- not bothered and let people go and they're happy to do it? I don't know. <sighs> yeah, maybe they think well, we've got Milner Scudder, we've got you know various other decent, excellent wingers sitting around there. We can we can let one go, but. Yeah, I hope this isn't a Nick Evans situation for the All Blacks where they deeply regret <laughs> letting him go and ben, when and they need him. Finally on the good, and we'll skip over this now, is his last bit of the weekend is Ben Tamifuna's offload for Racing 92. <laughs> there aren't many players who can do that in the world. Even less props. Uh, anyway, um, um, exactly. Very, very few of them are 22 stone. But, uh, it was absolutely go on and on. glorious, wasn't it? You can go on and on about the contrasting skill levels between Kiwis and everybody else, but you just need to show that replay about seven million times, and you've won that argument. Stuart Barnes and the Wasp commentary, I think it was Stuart Barnes, was you know mm. surprisingly was talking shit. You'd be surprised to hear, but he, <laughs> Joe Joe Lawnsbury at one point, well he, he passed the ball, and Barnes spent about five <laughs> minutes doing an analysis of a look. He looks and sees the person, and then he passes to him. It wasn't Barnes, actually, I can't remember it was, but I just I'm I'm. In these days of kids being coached from the age of nine to pass a ball, I'm absolutely astounded that people still think that somehow the ability to look and pass is somehow correlated to whether you're 19 stone or not. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Like, absolutely that's ridiculous. The, that's the mountain we've got to climb in the Northern Hemisphere. I can understand you might not be very good at... Your feet might not be very good when you're 19. Yeah. Your step might not be... Your turn of pace might not be very good, but actually being able to pass is not associated yeah. with the size of you. It's like anybody can look where the ball is going and spin it a little bit. You just need to work on it. And Indeed. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so that was the weekend <laughs> in review. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Not the week. Not, not, you obviously didn't enjoy that. I mean, the weekend. The, um, no, yeah. Let's talk about Eddie Jones then, very briefly. He's, he is in the Indeed. country after his visa came through. 
And he's he's had the shortest meetings you'll ever have with the current incumbent <laughs> staff, hasn't he? I mean, yeah, that, that there was probably just a revolver on the desk, and then <laughs> he just turned his back. He probably just what he probably said, "Do you want a crate or a box to put your shit in?" Because you're going. <laughs> I mean, I think clearing the decks is probably a good thing. Really, I mean, with any team, they hear the same voices for too long. They're going to stop listening, and that's even more the case when you've had as many bad experiences and as much internal strife as the England team has. I also think that Jones is quite a bright guy, and I think he probably looked at that yeah. team and just thought, can they do what I want them to do? He probably either thought, yeah. no, or I'm not really convinced, So, or I, 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 I'm not sure, and I haven't, got, I haven't got time to figure it out, so I'll bring in yeah. people I know can do it, because I've got the Six Nations in two months. Exactly, I think that's the thing. I don't think that Cat Farrell or Rome treated a bad job, Although, like all the rumblings about Farrell's influence on Lancaster and all that stuff, probably hasn't helped. That's Lancaster's but, fault, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but in the absence of being able to maybe make wholesale changes to the squad that he might want to, like a new broom and some new thinking in the coaching department, is probably like the best short-term fix, I would imagine. There's rumours he's after Paul Gustard from from Saracens for defence. And Borthwick for the forwards. Both, but actually, no, they reckon that Borthwick's going to be coming in as line out. They reckon he. Oh, okay. They reckon he might split the line out and scrum role, oh, okay. and, he, and that he doesn't need an attacking coach because Eddie Jones is one. That's kind of his bag. Right. So okay, actually, yeah. so I'll do the attack and everything else, and uh, he wants a kind of specialist scrum coach and a specialist line out coach with Borthwick, or maybe he'll combine the two. But I think he's obviously identified. Well, they've got to do something to get the scrum working again. I'd like a. Yeah. I'd like a specialist breakdown coach because it hasn't worked for years. That that would be. I mean. The thing it, it makes you wonder, though, is is obviously when he came in, he said that his his job was that he was going to to groom an heir apparent as part of mm. his job, and it's like you look at like Gustav and Borthwick, and you just got to think: Do either of those seem to be likely future England head coaches? I mean, maybe, maybe, but... maybe, or maybe he's happy to look, keep an eye on people like Baxter. Let them get maybe. European experience, which is the next best maybe. thing to international experience, or probably maybe as yeah. good as really in many ways. Yeah, um, I, th- I think one thing though, Gustard's uh, coming in, his efforts with def- Saracens' defence, as annoying as the whole wolf pack cliche thing they do is, it's just been ridiculously successful. And if he can get England defending like that, then the games will almost take care of themselves. It's anybody who uses yeah. the term wolf pack in a non-ironic way. It's oh like the word God. banter in a non-ironic way should immediately <laughs> be taken out and shot. Well, yeah. It also probably means that the like of Ashton Farrell, Goo, Detodje and all those are very much on the selection radar. You'd imagine now that a Saracens coach is going to presumably be installed. I think they probably would be anyway. I don't like Alex. They probably would be anyway. I don't like yeah, Alex but... Goo very much. I think he's fairly one-dimensional, mm. really. But he, he is solid. Yeah. He's a bit, and it's a it's a good bit of English experience for in the political and sort of making friends thing because obviously Gustav and Borthwick are both very experienced through the England English game and and in the England setup in in general. So, and of course Borthwick can do the post match interviews, can he? He can be oh, he can be, be an he can be wheeled out he can be wheeled out to just talk about some other game or whatever comes into his mind <laughs> and and, uh, and then that'll do the job, right? So speaking of England as well and forwards and Borthwick and so on, uh, Alex Corbisiero mm. has said he's going to take a year off, but he's only going to do it at the end of this year. This it's seems like one, the most it? bizarre thing. Well, I've, ne- I've I've never known this to happen before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. But I've never known this to happen. 
before. He says that basically, unless I have this 12 months off, I won't be able to play the game anymore. I've got to get my head straight. But I obviously, I don't need to get my head straight until next May. Yeah. My head's fine until then. It's like, the guy has had such hideous, unfair luck with injuries over the last couple of years. I'm amazed that he's still bothering, to be honest. Like, and I think giving his body a year off uh, is is actually a very good idea. However, like you say, it's the the weirdness that he's going to play all this, and it's been very obvious when he's he's been coming back over the last well, basically since the Lions tour. Every time he's tried to come back too early, and he's fucked himself again. Yes, and so he's going to basically try to hobble on until the end of the season, presumably because Saints would not release him from his contract early I would imagine he must um, go on and then and then he's going to do it then but yeah it's very weird man it must be like I imagine because he's going to get through to the end of the season despite desperately wanting to stop it must be like <laughs> it reminds me when I had when my kids were, I have got kids my kids were very small and they went to bed at half seven and it was miserable and knackering but you knew that if he just got through to half seven, they would go to sleep, and then he could sit down. And I think that's maybe what he's going to spend the rest of the season being like. If yeah. I could just get through to May, I can sit down, and everything will be sorted. Well, that's the thing. It's like he's gonna—he's not exactly going to be the most motivated man on the training paddock for the next. Well, he's a—he's a—he's a, he's a pro. He? You'd hope that he wouldn't be, and there's, yeah. there's no question. And I think. Uh, Malander's effectively said, "I'm going to treat you like any other player. You'll, you'll play if I think you should play, and nothing about you not being here next season will make a difference." But we'll see. It's just—I mean, with Priestland sort of doing something similar, he just said, "I just can't be bothered with the hassle of this anymore. I need a break." Yeah, Priestland's is a bit different though because Priestland has taken like uh, I thought he's, he's, he's mentally terribly weak. Is that the basic? Yeah, the top yeah of the I mean, he's—he's he's not the most mentally strong character in the game and by all accounts he's an incredibly nice guy off it. I'm sure he is and yeah. I think just like the dog's abuse that he gets yeah. on social media and all that shit and I, and I, fucking yeah, I'm, fa- I'm responsible for quite boring. a lot of that to be fair so I suppose I should, I should, I should <laughs> give the guy right, a break you know I mean? so but yeah I mean none of I, I've been critical of his performances in a Welsh shirt fairly forthrightly but like I think he's yeah, we, I think pe- he just wants a break from that shit doesn't he and I can't really blame him I don't know about honest. you Josh but people like me I was never a great sports player I loved doing it but I wasn't very good so therefore I wasn't mm. very confident in my own ability no so and I went out I did, I did what I could but I, I never thought I could be great or very good or anything whereas you imagine that when somebody's got that level of talent that they will never struggle with that but actually, I think some people do, don't they? Graham Hick in the cricket was a classic example yeah. of all the talent in the world. But I think the word's diffident, isn't it? No confidence, no confidence mm. in your own ability to actually get out and get it done. And I think Priestland suffers with that. I think. Yeah, I think he does. It's a shame, man. While we're on Wales, then <laughs> let's talk about the national dual contract pantomime, Christmas pantomime. Get a, pad and, get a pad and paper and start taking notes. Right, I'll let so. you have this one. Go. Right, so, after a few months of things looking actually quite rosy in the Welsh world as far as playing retention and general regional harmony and all that shit goes, it inevitably all went to cock this week, as things always do with Welsh rugby. So, first up, we had Talibé Falatau finally getting what he wanted and rejecting a deal contract from the WIU and signing up with Bath. And then we had a very odd situation with Scott Williams where he was re-signed with the Scarlets but not on a national deal contract and for different reasons both cases show you just how much the current system is not fit for purpose at all so why wasn't um, William signed on a dual contract 
Well, here's the thing. Right. He was all set to sign a do a contract and re-up with the Scarlets. Right. Um, they'd, they'd agreed a fee, all that sort of stuff. It was basically dotting the T's, crossing the I's. Then the Ospreys, who desperately need a 13 because God knows they haven't got one at the moment, <laughs> um, came along and were like, um, you can have 80 grand more and come over the locker and play for us, but not on a national deal contract. Um, would you like that? And as any sane human being in the world would do, Scott Williams was like, well, yes, I will consider this, definitely. <laughs> but then the the WRU, rather than sort of waiting for this to play itself out and then seeing what happens, then instantly decided to withdraw the dual contract and said that he wouldn't be getting one at all. And so, and for basically the Scarlets, the Ospreys and several English clubs um, could fight it out amongst themselves. And in the end, he because um, they said they didn't wish to get into a bidding war with the regions, and so Scott Williams, one of Wales's most important players going forward, isn't on a national deal contract because he's now fully re-upped with the Scarlets um, for however much money they were offering him. Well, at least he's in Wales, I suppose. The thing with Falatau, well, yeah. the thing with Falatau is, is that, well, one way to look at it is that all the WRU have done and Gatlin's done by saying you can't go is rob the Dragons of a transfer fee. Yeah, that's, it was, a, what, 150 grand, something like that, which is massive money to, like to a club like the Dragons. Indeed, yeah. And it was... He obviously wanted to go. He didn't want to play for the Dragons anymore. No disrespect to Dragons fans, but, you know, who can blame him? Um, and Bath were... I don't know whether it was because Bath were offering him a comical amount of money, which is, let's face it, not beyond the realms because they have one of their slots open for their non-salary-capped yeah. player... Um, with Burgess gone yeah. so they could pretty much offer him anything that they wanted um, and not worry about the cap and it might well be the case that they offered him an obscene amount of money that was much more than because the, the dual contract thing basically says that they want to offer a player um, a fair market value for what they are but who the fuck is to say that like who's to say what a player's market value is if Bath well they affect, well, they affect the market by being in it well, exactly. Listen, people don't and seem to understand Bath... about these things. As soon as you start saying there's a market value issue and you're in the market, then you're affecting that market, aren't you? Yeah. And if, if Bath, you know, if, if the WRU wanted to offer Falatau 350 grand a year and Bath wanted to offer him 450 grand a year or more, you know, then. Then the market moves, doesn't it? The market value for, then the market value for him is 450 grand or whatever, you know. And yeah, because the market value so is what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's the sort of inherent ridiculousness of it because there's no. There's, it's basically restraining trade if they, they are really wanting to be that sort of petty about it. And the Scott Williams thing feels very much like restraining trade because they. They're basically trying to create this weird closed system where there's no competition for anyone. The WRU decides how much it wants to pay a player, and then it pays sixty percent of it, and the region plays forty uh, percent of it. And the only way that any player ever moves from their home club or region is because you know they feel like it, and that that feels quite sort of not very. So is it? So is it? Irish, is it an really, issue? Is is it just an issue? Do you think? That um, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I just think they're not implementing no. it very well, are they? I think you've either I got to go, that's... you've got to go for it or not. Exactly. And uh, Simon Thomas from uh, Media Wales Western Mail has been repeatedly saying on Twitter this week that like, if they want to keep players in Wales, it's the power of the Welsh jersey that they need to leverage, and it's not money because they can't comp- like. 
Welsh players deserve to be compensated appropriately for their time, but the WIU and the regions just cannot compete with French and English paychecks long term. It's suicide. Like there's so mm. much more money in the French game and the English game that even with the WIU support, like that is eventually going to be financially ruinous for everyone. So the the only way that they can really do it is that they've got to tweak it in the same way that New Zealand tweak it to make it more attractive yeah, to other, stay otherwise, than it is to leave. Otherwise, you, otherwise your national league just becomes a feeder for bigger other national leagues and yeah, your national and team. A, but not a feeder for your national team in the right way. It becomes like a development exactly. and team. That's, you know what I mean? it, becomes, it becomes like an academy set up for your national yeah. team, which is not really how it's supposed to work, is it? No, and that's kind of the problem that, that, I mean, there's a lot of criticism of that sort of being the case in the papers today with Ireland as well. They're saying that it's just becoming... Mm. A bit of a, and and we saw that whole thing with with Stephen Moore a couple of weeks ago in Ireland, where you know he wasn't allowed to sign for Munster because Ireland wanted to let young Irish hookers get game time, and I'm I'm sympathetic to that, but there's just, there is a balance to be struck somewhere, and I think I think the Aussie system is pretty much right, to be honest with you. Oh. I think if you've got more than sixty caps, you can do what the fuck you want, really. Like True, if you yeah. want to go and play. Yeah. If you want to go and play overseas and have a massive payday, but you make yourself available, great, come back, we'll have you. If you haven't got 60 caps, however, then I think that it should be a an in or out thing. You yeah, know, so we have. who knows where the answer will be. There's going to be a point at oh, which people God are knows. going to get naffed off. I mean, the thing with Ireland is, is that they're going to be, the fans are okay as long as you keep, the Irish team keeps winning. It's like, well, I'm happy yes. to have a problematic regional team. Or provincial team, if you <coughs> keep winning as a national team, but they're not going to they're not going to be happy to support that. If they keep losing in World Cup quarterfinals, are they? Well, no, exactly, and it's the same thing with Wales. You know, the reason that the re- the regional game has has been allowed to stagnate is because Welsh fans are happy as long as Wales are winning, and Wales are doing quite well, and Wales have been unprecedentedly decent in the last ten years, and as such, the decline of the regional game has sort of been allowed to carry on without too much of a complaint, and now we're in a bit of a shitstorm with it. Right, oh, well. so that's a national dual yeah. contracts, which it seems will not be sorted anytime soon. Um, <laughs> no. Let's let's move move away from things in the present day and let's go uh, back in time as we have a look mm. at our, another instalment of our hall of infamy that is you dirty get, which celebrates magnificent acts of foul play from history, some of which make us laugh, some of which make us feel fine, some of them <laughs> don't so much, and, uh, yeah. and this 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 is one of those. Let me take you back in time ten years, Josh. I knew out there to the. Yeah. To, I know nobody really wants to remember this, but the British and Irish Lions tour of New Zealand in two thousand and five. <laughs> now I'm not going to put Clive Woodward in New Jersey yet for picking that squad and those teams, but we could do that because that was a an <laughs> active Campbell, an active complete film. I'm going to come on to Alistair Campbell now to talk about this, but <laughs> the, the dirty get for this week is is that is the famous incident when uh, Tanu Manga and Kevin Mialamu tipped Brian O'Driscoll on his head and attempted to make a concertina out of him, basically. Yeah, I mean, we get some. We've got a bit of flack from uh, certain people on this podcast over the last couple of weeks for being a bit pro All Black for the last <laughs> month or so. But yeah. yes, I, I think I think this this might be uh, uh, about to redress the balance somewhat because yeah, this is this is All Blacks and New Zealand rugby at their absolute worst. It was cheap, calculated, off the ball thuggery backed up with barefaced lying, arrogance, and horrible macho macho superiority. Yeah, and it was, it was just it, it was after after it as well. It was like a kind. Of, it was like a self-righteous off. 
It was sort of like Alistair Campbell oh. and, and Alistair Campbell and Woodward holding. I think four press conferences they held, showing still pictures about what and being so outraged and sanctimonious about it. And then on the flip side, the All Blacks are coming back, being all self-righteous about it's not in the spirit of the game to be going back like this, and you shouldn't be doing mm. stuff like that, and this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Graham Henry, within about five days, was sort of saying, we all just need to move on from this. You know, this Dismissing it out of hand, we should all move on. This is ridiculous going back talking about this all the time. It was... It was awful. I mean, the Kiwis were saying, oh, it's been blown out of proportion, and, and maybe the whole ridiculous Campbell-Woodward fiasco did blow it out of proportion, but it's I don't see how anyone can see what went on from Umaga and Mialama was anything other than just an opportunistic attempt to injure the Lions' best player. It was incredibly it was cynical, it was thuggish, it was dreadful. Isn't it, isn't it interesting as well that 2005 was was 10 years ago? It's not, it's not very long ago, is it? Professionalism no. is very well-established... You know, we're not in the dark ages of people gouging each other's eyeballs out as much. Yeah. And, um, but well, <laughs> not much. so much. Well, well, <laughs> we, we we could do Scott Berger doing it uh, in another line <laughs> store later on. Can't we? We'll do yeah, another yeah. one. But uh, the um, but it seems when you look at that now, and I watched it again on YouTube today, and I'm, I'll put it up on Twitter yeah. so everyone can have a look again. It it seems like the dark ages for yeah, that to happen. It's... And for nobody to do anything about it, and actually be pissed off that you're even trying to do something about it, yes. seems and, like and another so, world now. And for there to be no repercussions at all. Well, yeah, they, really. well, they were actually pissed off that anybody said it was out of order. The All Blacks were actually genuinely not... aggrieved that you'd, you'd have the audacity to actually say that was that that was not, that wasn't on that. <laughs> and that's the thing that pisses me off about this more than anything is that like I've got massive respect for the All Blacks and everything that they do, but this sort of superior like we play the game hard but fair and, and you know nothing that we ever do can any be ever be considered as going beyond the line because you know we don't need to play like that because we're the all blacks well bollocks because they do it's like the australians in cricket isn't it they see themselves yes. as the keeper of the spirit of cricket and funnily enough <sighs> the spirit of cricket line is drawn exactly up to where they go <laughs> You know, exactly. we've behaved like this, but no, it's not against the spirit of cricket because we get to decide that. And if you actually look at the All Blacks in that situation, that was a bit like that. You know, we play the yeah, game completely. right. We're the best team in the world. We know where the line's drawn. Funnily enough, we always just yeah. draw a big curve in it if we end up going across <laughs> it, like the Battle of the Bulge. Well, it's, it's, it was exactly the same with um, Andrew Hoare and Bradley Davis a couple of years ago, mm. where Hoare just, you know, smashed him in the face with a forearm off the ball, you know, concussed him down near, you know, cracked his skull open. And it should have been a red card, it should have been a huge ban, but he got off for it. And once again, there was this incredulous sort of, how dare you continue to make a thing about this, you know? He's a, he's not that kind of player, you know? We're the All Blacks and we're above such he's thuggery. Not that kind of oh, player. it boils, it boils my fucking piss, it really does. And yeah, did that, I, I find it very hard to have much yes, time. Well, for he is it. that kind of player because, look, he's just he's done, done that. It. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the most nonsensical argument going, isn't it, really? And like, Every time since like Umaga's been asked about it, he's always just sort of like basically cried that he was demonised for it and all this sort of shit. And it's like it's well, very imagine hard if it happened now. Time. Yeah, that's what you got to think about. Imagine the reaction now. He'd probably be cited and he'd be he'd probably been readied anyway. I don't think the ref yeah. saw it actually, but he would have been. Well, the TMO would have seen it now. Yeah, and funny enough, they might have both gone off. They would have both gone off, and they probably would have both had pretty long bans as well. And and nobody would have said a word with everyone gone, yeah, fair enough. No. Whereas now it's all like um, I'm demonised and and so on. It's it's. Uh, I'd say it's it is yeah. like another world, even though it was only ten years ago. It's bizarre, isn't it? 
And then with the Alistair Campbell thing, you know, a lot, so, loads of people... But actually, in, I've got... I'm sorry, but I, I have got a little bit of sympathy for it because when he actually called these press conferences and said, look, that is disgraceful, everyone said, oh, you don't know rugby, Alistair. You're a disgrace sort of thing. You, you, because you don't know rugby, you should know you don't do things like this. You could make the argument he was 10 years ahead of his time because that's, exactly well, exactly. that's exactly what's happening now. <laughs> look at that. That's disgraceful. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> <That's> exa- <laughs> <laughs> it's just that now... Yeah, back then they just went, yeah, and move on. Yeah. Whereas now they go, yeah, you're right, 12 weeks. Well, I, th- I, honestly, I honestly think it was because they were such a good All Blacks team. There was a desire not to to paint them as being like that as well. And because they were so the good, and they were, yeah, exactly. It was it was the start of this whole sort of All Blacks brand era, wasn't it? Really, like, because that's the first time I really remember them pushing the All Blacks as a brand in that regard, with sort right. of all the big adverts and the media campaign. And yeah, it's right. Then. It was just a bit. Yeah. So there was your dirty get, which is the legendary tipping on. The, and honestly, it is the worst spear tackle you'll ever see if you watch it. Definitely now is. it is. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's literally tipped bad. vertical upside down. We've all seen it, I'm sure. But have a look if you haven't, because it is absolutely unbelievable. So let's have unless a, you're Brian O'Driscoll. Unless you're. <laughs> so let's <laughs> don't watch it again, Brian. So let's um, have a look at the return fixtures for for next week. Then uh, very very yes. quickly, um, Toulouse will face Ulster again. Forty-five nil to Toulouse. There you go. Yeah, it could easily be. Yeah, we've got uh, Scarlets are playing Glasgow. Uh, I still, I still think Glasgow are going to tune them. To be honest, again, I think the Scarlets aren't playing for anything anymore. Well, they've got a hell of a turnaround to go. That's the thing about these double headers, isn't it? Interesting. Yeah, interesting. It is. See what Saints do at Franklin's Gardens against Racing. God, yeah. They got. I mean, they can't lose. They won't lose like that again. I don't know. I don't think they will either. I think. But then remember, Rassen came to Franklin's Gardens a couple of years ago and turned them over. So I think they'll lose. Like, I, I think they'll lose yeah, on that I form. Think I, th- I think their set piece isn't strong enough to play against a team with Dan Carter playing that well. And obviously, yeah. you know, the mighty yeah. sex at nine. So yeah, <laughs> um, we've got Stade Francais will play. Who cares? Stade Francais are playing better. <laughs> who cares? Um, Claremont versus Chiefs. Now, what what the hell's going to happen there? Um, Back in Claremont. See, I, re- I re- see. I reckon that. Exeter could do something here. Like it depends if the team that played the Ospreys a couple of weeks ago turns up, they get dicked. They will, yeah. But if they do what you know, they were so smart on Saturday with the way that they just basically deprived Claremont of ball and played with the forward orientated game. If they do that again, I mean, who knows? Steenson's the one of the, a perfect player to go there and do that. Really, yeah. They, they, they've is. got the personnel to do it, haven't they? Yeah. Um. You've got to go to Ospreys have to go to Bordeaux. That's going to be a prison shaming, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bordeaux's you can't Bordeaux get away with probably, it again. <laughs> no, exactly. And Bordeaux will probably put their first team out, which I mean, their second team already probably was paid yeah. more than the Ospreys' entire first team anyway. But their second team sure as hell are. So and, and hopefully yeah, nobody will do a flying windpipe off the field, and that'll help. Yeah, <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. Uh, let Monster have got to go to Leicester and lose. That'll do that. Yeah. Uh, yep. Saras <laughs> Orinax have now got to come back to Saracens <laughs> and lose about 900 are cruel, mil aren't they, really, aren't they? Yeah. yeah imagine turning that one round so lads <laughs> we can still do this so lads, lads. Um, <laughs> just do your best eh? and we'll go for a pint after uh, Toulon have got to go to Dublin that's an interesting one actually I think Toulon have got I to mean, win I think quite comfortable. I think Toulon will win, but they've got to be a lot better than they were on the weekend. I think they will be. 
Yeah. You'd imagine so. I think there's Leicester, too much quality there from win. Everton. Even if it's not by a lot, they're going to win. It's, it, I think it's getting to the point now where it's borderline, like, slightly reckless to do anything other than back Toulon to win every single game because they should. Well, they've lost. They've so, probably lost enough for the season now. You can just sort of say they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the the statistics will ease themselves out. They're <laughs> going to win. Um, and then finally, finally, back at it's back to the wreck for Wasps. I mean, given the Wasps should have won that game. Gone, yeah. Given the way this pool has gone, Wasps will probably win. They'll probably win about forty points to three, <laughs> or something stupid like that, yeah. because this pool is just ridiculous. But in in common sense, real world land, which I'm not sure actually applies anymore. But never mind. Um, yeah, remember those times, would, simpler times. Yeah, <laughs> they were crazy days. Um, I think Bath is such a massive confidence boost for them last week. Like this is the start of them getting better. Them. I think it is the start yeah, of them, I and, right. and I don't think they're going to get worse. So they'll get incrementally better than last week. And it's whether yeah. Wasps can actually just do the job properly. Yeah, away from home. Um, and that has been something of an Achilles heel aside from that Leinster results this season they've, they've not been as good on the road as they are at the Trader Dome ok so hmm. so that'll be it from us this week apart from we'll finish on a song as usual the loop our rugby related songs but uh, we are on at I am on at Blood and Mud if you want to if you want to tweet me Josh is at uh, I am at uh, Rugby Shirt Watch nice and simple nice and simple and you can find us on our websites and everything's there please send in any nominations for the loop or dirty get or anything or give us some feedback or tell us we're awful whatever we'll take it all you know any any feedback is good feedback <laughs> send nominations for the loop to get us out of this 90s this 90s function. hell yeah although Josh doesn't volunteer any I will say no Josh is not volunteering get any so we talked about Dan Carter before Josh what is it that all good players have what marks them apart from other people you could argue that they always seem to have time and indeed space. Yes, also. Almost like the song Space and Time by The Verve. That's what we're going to finish <laughs> on. Thank you, Josh. I'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Thank you.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.